With all the rhetoric that's going on in our culture today, how would you explain the idea of truth? Does truth exist? How is it defined? And is it even narrow-minded to think that truth is absolute? Join us on The Real Issue Podcast as we engage this question and a whole lot more. question that Pilate asked Jesus in John chapter 18 when he was standing on trial and it seems like you and I as Christians today have either lost the definition because we've been sucked in by the political rhetoric or we've just forgotten. Well you know there was a Barna study not too long ago that said that many Christians evangelicals were uh, given this survey and the age group was millennials and gen z's and do you realize that the gen z generation 1999 to current day rejects the existence of god and truth you go to the millennial generation and the numbers are dropping folks we are having a difficult time and we need to understand the definition of truth. Yesterday, I was uh, at work, and I ended up having a conversation with uh, uh, someone who was with a customer. And the conversation actually was appropriate at the time because this young man was a millennial. But he actually told me the truth was absolutely relative. How does that work? <laughs> I will say that we had a delightful conversation, and uh, it, with the conversation um, was one of those where you don't let it get too far so you don't cause a scene and all. But one of the uh, the whole things was what it, what it boiled down to was that this young man's perception of truth was that it was just a perception. And that you absolutely cannot know what is true. Isn't that interesting? He makes a claim that you cannot know what is true. Next week, we're going to be dealing with some self-defeating objections like that one. I'm going to probably allude to some here just as a way to uh, whet your appetite. But what I want to do today is I want to talk to you about the definition of truth and what we mean by truth and and what you as a Bible believing Christian if you're listening to this if you are uh, someone who embraces uh, philosophical cultural relativism or whatever you want to call it where you believe that all truth is relative uh, I want to thank you for listening to the, the Real Issue podcast as well I want to let you know that if you have a skeptical question you can always email us 
at realissueapologetics at yahoo.com. And we will be more than happy to engage your question and also uh, respond to your question within 24 to 48 hours of receiving your email. But what I want to do today is I want to talk about this whole concept of truth and what it is and, and, and even what it isn't. You know, it isn't a perception. You know, a perception is something that, you know, you perceive something to be true. It's, it's like um, uh, someone would say um, uh, all perceptions are reality or something like that or along that line. If that's not, not truth, that's just a matter of what happens when you go and you get your feelings and your experiences in the way of what you basically eyewitness. And this is something that uh, the gentleman that I spoke with yesterday even had a hard time with. So let me get right to it. Uh, we'll have uh, uh, two commercials uh, on this subject, one with Dr. Norman Geisler and one with Frank Turek, the co-writers of I Don't Have Enough Faith to Be an Atheist. I have them on there with Bobby Conway. My friend Bobby Conway is now teaching out at Calvary Chapel Bible College. And uh, kudos to Bobby for keeping the one-minute apologist online and, and fresh. But what is truth? That is our question. And we're going to talk about that. You know, when you when you think about truth, you know, you and I live in a country, or for that world, the matter of, of understanding today is that the world and, the, and, the, and the, this nation is abandoning this whole idea of truth at a very rapid rate. Many people today are questioning, you know, what is truth? Is it knowable? Is it true for you? Is true, what is true for you the same for me? Or, or is it different? And on and on those questions go. And again, next week we'll talk about self-defeating uh, statements based on this subject and, and how you can pick those up. But allow me just to take a few thoughts here on this first segment. And then we'll get to the seg uh, second one where we'll talk about uh, intolerant a little bit more. But to start it off, how would you define truth? If you, you think of what truth is and what Pilate was actually ask, answering or asking Jesus when he, Jesus was standing on trial with Pilate, he said, what is the truth? Well, let me give you some definitions. To start it off, uh, someone says to you, you know, how would you define truth? What would you tell them? Would you tell them that it's subjective to what the culture says is true? Many would say that. Would you say it's situational? Or would you give the right definitions? And the, there is a right definition. What is that definition? Glad you asked. Truth is that which corresponds to all of reality. When you and I speak of truth, the, as, as the late Francis Schaeffer, who wrote the book, How Then Shall We Live, and, and uh, other books, he was really ahead of his time. And he stated tr that truth is, and I quote, any particular thing that can be known for sure. You know, the young man that I uh, spoke with uh, yesterday actually posited and said, there's no way you can know anything for sure. Which to which I asked him, I said, so if you, if you know that, do you know that for sure? And if you say no to that, then why should I believe you? You know, Francis Schaeffer says any particular thing that can be known for sure. And I'd like to add to this. 
Truth also pertains to things that are self-evident, either by experience or, you know, or by, by definition. For example, you know, we have in our Declaration of Independence inalienable rights, and we have these things that are self-evident before God, that, you know, given to us by God. You know, I also want to let you know that even though the experience, when you talk about experiences, they may be true for the person, but if I experience the same thing you do, I might interpret it differently than, than uh, the other person who had the same experience. And this is why I say that as good as Christian testimonies are, those are Christian experiences based on a, a personal encounter with the Holy Spirit convicting us of our sin and going and us confessing Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior. You and I were at different places at different times, and, and our situations were totally different, which means that it's also not situational. Um, also, if you go from the perspective of, uh, let's say, by definition, there are certain words that you and I, we define them to know what they are. For example, a bachelor is a man who has never been married, uh, somebody who is single. But there is more to truth than just if you want to talk about this as being, well, Rob, that's simple or simplistic. What I want to do is I want you to take a notebook and if you go and you download this podcast, you'll be able to come back and get these. But if you can't get them, I'll try and go as, as at, a, at a good pace for you so that you'll be able to write them down. But I want to give you seven facts why uh, or how we can know truth. Number one, truth is discovered. It's Truth is not invented. Uh, you know, if you think of it from the perspective of little children, and we, when we talk about this in our seminars and our workshops, we work from the bottom up. So when we talk about truth, truth is knowable. If truth is knowable, then truth is absolute. And if God, truth is absolute, and we'll get to this in a little bit, but it, it gets you to God. And then from truth to God, we get to Jesus. You know, you could draw the, 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 the triangle and, and work those um work that out and just show you could see how that would work out but you know when you talk about truth being discovered when children are born and they start becoming aware of the surroundings around them they use their five senses sight smell taste touch and hearing you know they learn what pizza is they learn what a dog is they go call it doggy mommy daddy so on and so forth those are all things that are learned by the senses by touch you know that's hot that's cold that's hard that's soft you know those things if it's loud it's soft as far as um sounds are concerned or it tastes sweet or tastes bitter or tangy or whatever also when you think about truth truth exists that and is independent of anyone's knowledge so it's independent even of our so of, of our senses to give you an example um, you know if we look at gravity gravity has existed long before even Newton Isaac Newton had discovered it the fact of gravity is a constant and even though yours and my beliefs are not secondly truth 
is transcultural. If something is true then, it is true for all persons in all places and all times. For example, 3 plus 2 equals 5 and 2 plus 2 equals 4. And it doesn't matter where anyone lives, those, those uh, mathematical concepts have been around uh, for everyone for all time. For one who does not believe that numbers are not absolute, then I, let me just suggest that you take that up with your bank account and, and the local teller. Can you imagine going and saying, let's say just for a sake of uh, an example, you have a $300 check and the teller believes the same thing you do, that numbers are not absolute. And you go to the first teller and you're hoping it's the only teller and you hope that you're going to get $300 back, but they believe the same thing you do and they give you, say, $250. Are you going to accept that? Well, no, you're not going to accept that at all. So you go to the next teller and it gets worse. And then the third teller, it gets worse and there's not a fourth one. Why? Because numbers are absolute. 3 plus 2 equals 5. $300 is $300. 2 plus 2 equals 4. It, it doesn't matter. You could take that up with your IRS agent as well if you want to talk about numbers and see what they tell you. Number three. Truth is unchanging, even though our beliefs about truth might change. You know, when we began to believe the earth was round instead of flat, the truth about the earth did not change. Our belief is that which changed. Now, you got people out there called flat earthers. The atheists out there think us evangelical Christians are flat earthers as well. But if you go and you look at all the studies by NASA, I think it's pretty conclusive that the earth is round. Number four, beliefs do not change and cannot change no matter how sincerely these beliefs are held. You know, many atheists, again, um, I just mentioned this, many atheists will accuse Christians of believing that the world is flat. No matter how hard that they will press us, they're very sincerely mistaken. And again, someone can be can sincerely believe that the world is flat, but in the long run, they are mysterious. They are sincerely mistaken as well. Number five, we have the thought on truth that it is not affected by the attitude of the one professing it. You know our attitude. Uh, can get in the way sometimes and we can think something is false and it be totally true we can think something true and it be totally false our attitude has nothing to do with the fact of truth's existence what do i mean by this a humble person does not make the error of he or she professes true while an arrogant person does not make the truth he professes false one's attitude is not the deciding factor on truth now the truth claim still has to be tested. And again, next week we'll be talking about uh, self-refuting uh, statements that people uh, make or assumptions that people make that we um, will have to learn how to pick up and, and, and challenge very graciously with gentleness and respect as we look at this. Number six, all truth claims are absolute. Now, before I get into this, there are people today 
if they were to tell you that the earth is flat that the um, um, let's see here that 2 plus 2 equals 5 that there are Martians are out there that the moon is made of green cheese you know when somebody makes statements like this they're making a statement because they believe that statement is true you know we get so puzzled and get so confused sometimes when we when we do seminars and stuff on on the subject of truth that it's very important that we grasp this that whenever somebody makes a statement they make it uh, from the perspective of assuming that statement to be true unless they're really just joking around or have some type of motive to see if they can maybe trip you up or something like that but all truth claims are believed and all truth claims are absolute truths. Now, when I say that, even truths that appear to be relative are really absolute. And that's why I say the people that make those statements that might be like truth is relative or there's no such thing as truth. Those statements are actually believed to be true. And that's what I'm saying is here that even truths that appear to be relative are, are believed to be absolute. I could say uh, to you, I feel warm on February 10th, 2019. This claim may be relative, but it is absolutely true for everyone everywhere. And that I have the sensation that I have the sensation of warmth on that day that I stated. I'm in a nice warm house. It's February 10th. And I feel warm on February 10th. Well, it doesn't matter where a person is on the other side of the globe. I'm making the statement for me that I feel warm on February 10th in a warm home and recording this podcast and, and sharing this with you. Number seven, and lastly, uh, your faith does not change a thing about whether or not the Bible is true or not. It doesn't matter if the Bible, if, if your faith is, is saying to you, well, I'm not sure if all the Bible is true. It doesn't matter, um, or your faith doesn't change a thing about whether or not the Bible is true. Your faith doesn't influence whether the Bible is true or not. That's what this is saying. You know, if you're an atheist and you're listening to us today, thank you again. You know, you're a hard-nosed rant against anything that is religious or Christian does not make your claim true whether one is a christian or not or your faith or your faith if you are a christian appropriates neither one uh, appropriates the salvific content of the bible to you you know the bible is true and it tells you about the salvific content one's faith or lack of faith does not change whether god exists or not whether jesus rose from the dead or not or whether the bible is true or not so as you can see before we go to our break that there is more to truth that meets the eyes and the ears that we can share with a person challenging on us i hope you wrote these down if not you can go back and um, write listen to this show and you can uh, go through this hopefully we've gone through this uh, a little bit slower if you have any questions please feel free to email us at realissueapologetics.com 
A lot of this comes from the book. I would highly recommend a few books here for you in this segment. And we're going to go to a break in just a second as I share with you these books. Let me recommend uh, Frank Turek and Norman Geisler's book, I Don't Have Enough Faith to Be an Atheist. Also, Greg Kolkel's book and Francis Beckwith's uh, co-wrote the book Relativism, Feet Firmly Planted in Midair. And lastly, my good friend Paul Copan, who has a book that he wrote a few years ago, True for You But Not for Me, Overcoming Objections to the Christian Faith. So we're going to go to a break right now. We'll have uh, Dr. Norman Geisler and Frank Turek share a little bit more on Bobby Conway's One Minute Apologist, and we'll be right back with our second segment. We'll be back in just a moment. Welcome to the One Minute Apologist. Apologist. We interview the world's leading apologists to provide credible answers to curious questions. The famous question, what is truth? Yes, Pilate. <laughs> I'm not Jesus. <laughs> it's ironic that the truth was standing before him. He didn't recognize it, but truth is what corresponds to reality. Truth is telling it like it is. Truth is what matches its object. Um, if I say I have a red shirt on, it's true because, in fact, there is a, a red shirt there that I can point to. Uh, truth is telling it like it is. If you don't tell it like it is, it's an error. If you do tell it like it is, it's true. How do we know that's a definition of truth? Because not only is that what philosophers have uh, discovered the nature of truth is, but you can't deny it without affirming it. If you say, well, I don't think truth is telling it like it is, I'd say, was that telling it like it is? You just told it like it is, saying you don't need to tell it like it is. Uh, you can't avoid philosophy being a correspondence view of truth. Welcome to the One Minute Apologist. Apologist. We interview the world's leading apologists to provide credible answers to curious questions. Frank, is truth true for you, but not for me? I always hear that, and I usually say, is that true for everybody? Is true for you, but not for me, true for everybody? Because if true for you, but not for me is true for everybody, then true for you and not for me can't be true because it's true for everybody. <laughs> I know that can give you intellectual constipation, yeah, yeah, but that's because it's self-defeating. It's actually, there's an easier way of illustrating this. True for you, but not for me. Say, sure, go try that with your bank teller. Go to your bank teller one day and say, look, I'd like $100,000 out of my account. The bank teller looks at your account and says, I'm sorry, sir, you only have $47.16 in your account. That's easy to get the money. Bobby, you simply say, that's true for you, but not for me. Give me the hundred grand. Are you going to get the money? <laughs> no, you're not. If it's true, there's only $47.16 in your account. That's true for all people at all times and all places when referring to your account at that time. It's just true. And by the way, it's true that Jesus rose from the dead if he really did, that's true for all people at all times and all places. Mm -hmm. If he really did. Of course, it's not true if he didn't rise from the dead. And I think the evidence is quite strong that he did. So saying it's true for you but not for me may sound good. It's the mantra of our culture, but it's self-defeating. It's logically self-defeating and it just doesn't work. Sounds like you're trying to say that truth corresponds to reality. Frank. I am. I'm actually <laughs> trying to say that.
All right, we are back. And uh, have you ever been called intolerant? Have you ever been called narrow-minded because you believe in absolute truth or because you've been sharing your faith and declaring Jesus as the only way, truth, and life? Well, this is what I want to deal with in the second segment. But before I get to that, uh, some of you may have been wondering, you know, maybe um, you're finding our ministry being very beneficial and you'd like to help us out. We have a page on my website at Rob Lundberg Apologetics on how you can help us. It's over on the right-hand side of the page. You can go down on the links next there, and you can see all kinds of links for resources and a little bit about yours truly. And you can uh, learn more about uh, what apologetics is with resources. You can listen to past podcasts. You can get the links. We have them linked up to our page. Also, you can go to our YouTube channel. But if you'd like to... Uh, make a donation. We have a PayPal account strictly for ministry uh, that we're going to be using for uh, ministry only and for uh, being able to provide our those that, that help us out with resources, help you with resources so that we can help, helpfully equip you more. Also, uh, it'll help us with materials and operational costs as we get this ministry launched a little bit more. But let me get back to that next question. Oh, uh, by the way, you can go to roblundbergapologetics.com or Google Rob Lundberg and you'll be able to find me. Um, back to the question. Um, not so much about all the donations and everything here. This is more important here. Have you ever been called a tolerant? Have you ever been called like narrow-minded because, you know, you believe Jesus is the only way? You know, if you go and you say, well, you know, that... Jesus is the only way uh, to, to heaven. And of course, we believe that as Christians. I mean, that's pretty much what Jesus said. If you don't like that, take it up with Jesus. But, you know, if you uh, are charged with intolerance or narrow-minded uh, because some of the uh, because of some of the things you say, I want you to know you're in popular company. And these are some of the most popular charges that do come down, that are thrown down at Christians in light of our belief in absolute truth. Now, yes, we do believe in absolute truth, you know, but intolerance and narrow-mindedness are cultural hot buttons that paint Christians as a horse with blinders on it, limiting its vision of the world, or that we are an ostrich with its head buried in the sand because it is completely obvious to be, uh, you know, what is completely obvious in the surrounding world. You know, I mean, just the fact that, hey, you know, can't you see that the world is fun and, you know, but there's a lot of temptations out there. And if, you know, a lot of it violates the moral law of God. So be rest assured that if you're accused of being narrow-minded, truth is narrow. I'm going to talk about that in just a second. But intolerant, folks, I want to let you know that 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 is going to become pretty popular in the waning days. If the Lord tarries is coming, I think you and I are going to be called intolerant quite a lot. I mean, I saw an article just the other day where the Pope and an imam were going and talking about uh, coming together 
to bring the religions together. Now, I'm not going and playing pin the tail on the Antichrist or anything like that or saying, but I'll tell you, folks, we're getting close. And I never thought I would say that when I was a young Christian. But, you know, just the way the world is going, you and I are called to love God with all our heart, all our soul, all our mind. You can't love your neighbor as yourself unless you do the first love God with heart, soul, and mind. You cannot love your neighbor as yourself unless you do the love God with all your neighbor, uh, love God with all your heart, soul, and mind. And loving your neighbor as yourself is about the Great Commission, to go and make disciples and teaching them to observe all things and baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. So as we seek to do that, it won't be a surprise. Don't be so surprised if you and I are called narrow-minded or even intolerant. You know, but I want you to know that there are some things about this whole issue about the absolute truth as being narrow-minded or intolerant. There's about uh, one, two, three, four things I want to share with you about this and, and just let you know that this can be answered, that you can give a reason, you can give a gentle answer with gentleness and respect, even with this one here. So how do we answer this? Well, there's a few things that I want us to think about here. First off, the first reason is, that I'm going to call this a gauntlet, okay? Gauntlet is something that is thrown down by somebody saying, well, hey, you know, Rob, you're intolerant, you're uh, narrow-minded. First off, I want you to know that this gauntlet is self-defeating because truth is narrow, truth is divisive by its very definition. Remember, we said in the very first segment that truth is that which corresponds to all of reality, that it's discovered, that it's, it stays true whether persons, place, and time. It doesn't matter where it is. It doesn't matter, like if I, again, if I say I'm, I'm, I'm warm on February 10th, uh, 2019, somebody in Antarctica could go and say, Rob, you're crazy, it's cold here. It doesn't change the fact that I'm warm here in Fredericksburg, Virginia. If I were to say to you that there's a blue Mazda 3 outside of my house and in my driveway, and we go where to go out there, and we see that there's a Mazda 3 out there, and that it is truly blue, then all other claims about the, my car being red, silver, black, gray, copper, red, or are all false. There can be no other answer presenting another color other than that car being the color blue. Have you ever taken a quiz? Remember, some of us who are older adults, we remember back when we were taking tests. <laughs> and, you know, did we ever take it up? Whenever there was a... a uh, a true-false part in the exam, and we got one wrong. Did we ever take it up with the teacher or the professor to go and say, hey, you know, truth is relative. Uh, that that answer is really right. Well, what are we saying when we what are we saying when we say that that answer was right and the teacher is wrong? We're making an absolute claim. So this is why it is self-defeating. Number two. There's another reason is that the person making the statement that absolute truth is too narrow is actually making an absolute statement themselves 
that they believe to be true for them. If this is truly the case, then the one making such a claim is equally narrow-minded and intolerant. Can you figure that one out? You know, it was, wasn't like maybe like a few years ago. I was asked a question at work. Now, mind you, being a missionary to the auto industry and car sales, something happened to me that was really, really interesting. And that was, I was approached by a co-worker who embraced the Wiccan faith, who, and I, who I have had conversations with. And he had, with him, walking along, they were both vaping. And the other salesperson with them happened to be embracing uh, the homosexual behavior. Notice my words. And the one who was the Wiccan asked me, hey, Rob, you know, hey, I uh, always wanted to uh, know this. No wonder what your answer would be. What do you think about gays? Well, I'll, I'll tell you what I think about gays. You know, they're created in the image and likeness of God. They made a choice. It is a deviant behavior. And there's probably a reason why they made the choice. But this is not what this show is about. If you want to know more, email me at realissueapologetics at yahoo.com and I'll share more with you on that. But my first question was, my first question was, do you gentlemen consider yourself tolerant people? Because I'm thinking, holy human resources, they're asking me a bomb of a question. See, folks, we need to be as shrewd as serpents and harmless as doves. And thankfully, the Holy Spirit was in charge that day. And I was able to give an answer without quoting chapter and verse, but very biblical. If you want to know more about that answer, email us at realissueapologetics at yahoo.com and we'll send it to you. But see, this whole thing about tolerance, you know, those charging Christians with intolerance because of holding to morals being absolute is our, our third one here, because they're confused about the meaning of the word intolerant. I've written a blog posting on this, but just basically when we talk about intolerance, intolerance refers to the manner or attitude in which one holds truth, not to the truth itself. Let me say that again. Intolerance refers to the manner or attitude in which one holds truth, but not to the truth itself. What does this mean? Well, this means that this claim confuses what one holds to be true with the attitude of how he, hold, he or she holds it. And that is, if holding to absolute truth makes one intolerant, then the one accusing the Christian of intolerance is equally intolerant. So if you ever run into a HR issue where you work, or you're sitting in a benefits meeting, and they start bringing up this whole idea of orientation, and you hold to absolute truth, 
My prayer for you is you have red flags going off and you learn to be able to gently and respectfully in a private conversation with anybody that the Holy Spirit leads you to get involved in a conversation with, that you will be able to stand up to the challenge and let it come what may. So, remember, number one, um, truth, uh, the first gauntlet talking about us being intolerant is because truth is narrow and divisive by its very dish, definition and application. The second reason is that the person making the statement absolute, uh, that absolute truth is too narrow is actually making a statement that is true for them. And thirdly, the, what we just shared with you, those charging the Christian with intolerance because of holding to morals being absolute are confused about the meaning of the word intolerance. And lastly, the last one is to be labeled as one being intolerant just on the basis of disagreeing with someone is very mistaken. And this is where it's going to get volatile. Let me say that again. It's going to get volatile be, to be labeled as one being intolerant just on the basis of a disagreement with someone. I want you to know, folks, that is very mistaken. To be tolerant, quote-unquote, of other views implies that there is a real disagreement between viewpoints. No one tolerates something that they have already agreed with. The whole issue of tolerance assumes that there's, an, that there's a disagreement somewhere. There's no need to tolerate something if I already agree with you on something. And to, if you disagree, then you and I could be labeled intolerant. See, the diff see how that works. You see, the accusation of intolerance on the basis of a disagreement is an attempt by the person who charges intolerance because they want you to accept what you disagree with under the disguise of tolerance. It's a ruse. And you and I don't need to stand under that tyranny. You see, labels given to us like intolerance and narrow-mindedness, like the whole idea which we'll talk about next week on turning the truth claim against itself. This whole issue of intolerance and narrow-mindedness can also be turned against themselves to show our accusers that they are being equally intolerant and narrow-minded. If I were to say to you, you know, you're being narrow-minded, what am I being? Narrow-minded. Oh, well, you know, well, that's intolerant. That's right, and you're being intolerant too. You know, we get involved in conversations like this from time to time, and, you know, we just have to be on our toes and thinking. And if we're doing that, and we do it with gentleness and respect, you know, people will respect you for holding your views and your values with confidence. I've gone to two atheist rallies up at, up at D.C., and, you know, you get different types of Christians going up there and they're going and spouting Bible verses and stuff. But one thing that the skeptical world will respect is a Christian who has confidence in what they believe 
and at least can give a one or two line reason why they believe what they believe. You don't have to speak volumes. You don't have to give a whole litany. All you need to do is have the confidence in Jesus Christ who redeemed you and I. And you and I can stand to the challenge. You don't need to be afraid of the charges. Just graciously show your accuser how your statement is equal, how their statement is equally narrow-minded or even intolerant. And hopefully they will see that you are not the you're, that they are not the reasonable person they think they are and that you can show them a better way. And that better way is Jesus Christ. Thank you for listening to the Real Issue podcast. Uh, this is the podcast arm of Rob Lundberg Apologetics and the Real Issue Apologetics Ministry. We are uh, that ministry. And I want to let you know that um, we have a blog that you might be interested in. We just wrote two posts on the subject of atheism that's getting a lot of traffic and a lot of attention from the atheists out there. Uh, I have a conversation going on with a gentleman by the name of Paul who is uh, is going and throwing down the whole idea and his definition of atheism. So we're hoping to have a podcast on atheism sometime down the road. So I'll teach you how to uh, engage the atheist worldview, and uh, that would be that would be a fun one to do. Again, if you would like to make a donation to our ministry, you can go to roblunbergapologetics.com. Or just Google us if you can't go and put all that. That's Rob Lundberg Apologetics, all one word, dot com. It is a WordPress. You'll be able to see all kinds of things that we're putting on there. We've got resources that we're building. We've got our YouTube channel linked to it. You'll be able to uh, uh, see what God is doing through us. And we want to thank you in advance for, for doing whatever God leads you to do. So next week we will be addressing the self-defeating statements that our people often make. I will be posting that, hopefully a blog posting on some of those this week so that you can get a head start. Also, keep in prayer. If you're in the Spotsylvania area and you have an interest, this Saturday night, we're going to be talking at a small group. Uh, it's teaching at a small group in Spotsylvania area on uh, the whole subject of truth. And using the Roadrunner tactic, which I'll teach you next week on this podcast, and talking about the Roadrunner, turning the claim against itself. So this is something that we will be doing uh, all in one week. We'll be doing it here on the podcast, and we'll be sharing it also in a small group. So if you are in the uh, Spotsylvania area and you're not working on a Saturday evening or if you have something that uh, you have nothing to do, uh, let me know. You can email me at realissueapologetics at yahoo.com and I'll notify the host and see if there's room and we'll be in contact with you and give you the address and, and all of that as well. So until next week, this is Rob Lundberg. Thank you for listening to this show today. I hope it benefits you. If there's any static or anything, I'm going to be going through this and hopefully the clicking, I've gotten rid of the clicking. I'm not sure if it's because my mic is up too high on the volume. But be that as it may, uh, I hope that is, is not loud. So thank you for listening, and we'll be back with you next week. You know, as always, as you go out, 
we are living more and more in a world that is totally radically changing. But you know what? One thing that we are sharing, and that is the unchanging gospel of Jesus Christ in a changing world. And it's a very rapidly changing world. But you know what? If you know why you believe what you believe, you can have the confidence and the love for the person that you can speak to and, and see that God has created that person with intrinsic value and that they need the hope that you and I share. That is the hope of Jesus Christ being their Redeemer and our Redeemer because that's what he's done for us. We can share that with him. So that being said, we'll be back with you next week. We'll come back and talk to you about how you can turn the claim on itself by recognizing self-defeating statements. And Lord willing, if everything and the Lord doesn't return between now and then, uh, we look to be back with you next week. So until next week, go out and give them heaven. We'll be back. Lord bless. Lord bless.